BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. <laughs> it would be a wolf spot, eh? Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Network. Joining me tonight to talk about Wolves' defeat, I was going to say, yet again, playing Liverpool, fourth time in eight weeks. I've got two titans of Wolves history, um, two players who have graced Molyneux with such a plum. I'm joined by Little Dan and former Wolves man and friend of the Fancast, Dave Edwards. Dave, how Dave are you, genuinely for Sam, we could just on the show again then. Yeah, I know. I was had to panic then. <laughs> Come on, Dave. Know your football, Dave. I'm on the best number ten. I've never played professional football. <laughs> no, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, pleasure. Dan, Dan regularly compares himself to Daniel Podence. So, yeah. <laughs> He's, he's, he's the luxury player that like Wolves and crying out for, but we're just not in a. We know in the Europe, European positions, Daniel Podence, Mateus Nunes, Ruben Neves, these players would look like absolute world beaters for for a good side. But for Wolves, they just look they look amazing. But for a top side like Man City, they'd go up an even more level. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Well, t- I'm interested. Uh, we talked briefly before we went live about uh, Nunes, and I'm interested, kind of catch your guys' thoughts in terms of how he's done so far later on. Um, but first and foremost, um, I was going to say, a bit of stuff coming out from yourself, Dave, because you know, for anyone who follows you on social media and you'll see bits on the fancast socials as well, um, is the charity match that you've organised that's coming up. Um, and I mean, some of the players you've got lined up, it's a, it's a fantastic lineup. There is, and still a few more to announce as well. Been been really lucky to be given this opportunity by Shrewsbury to have a game there and kind of let me use the pitch. Um, I never quite made it to testimonial years with Wolves, and I spent seven years in total at Shrewsbury as well. So, sixteen no seventeen and a half years of my career, or sixteen and a half years of my career were between the two clubs. So, um, I was quite lucky to stay local, but to have the opportunity to put on a game where I can get some of my old teammates together, 
some really good players playing and play in front of, say, hopefully a lot of Shrewsbury and Wolves fans. I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for myself personally. And I know the lads playing as well are really looking forward to it as well. And then obviously the main thing about it is always that we're raising money for Little Rascals Foundation, which is a charity which I founded with a friend of mine, um, which helps children with disabilities and their families. And then also Shrewsbury Town Foundation are going to, put the money they raised towards their disability provision. And then also Wolves Foundation um, Foundation are um, also going to auction off some shirts from the Wolves players as well. So three amazing causes, um, but more than anything, it's going to be, it's going to be a great game. It really is. I was going to say, you know, when, when sort of I saw the initial lineup and some, I guess, you know, obviously I've got more of an association with the, um, with the old Wolves boys within it, but it, it is a proper roll call of, um, I would say like that promotion winning campaign and uh, uh, say some of the ones who have been genuine highlights of you know I guess for a lot of fans mine and Dan's generation of you know that first peak of the club's recent history yeah. so it's, it's going to be great seeing uh, say the old band back together as it were and again I'm talking about how fortunate I am like I, I had the idea of doing it and then sort of was backed by Shrewsbury and then I just didn't know how how many players would want to play. So I kind of sent the invitation out and literally everybody who can play from a logistical point of view is coming to play. There's been a couple of lads who have got niggles and injuries who couldn't play and some which said that their body wouldn't be able to do it anymore. But the majority of the lads have all said yes. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, I think they, they're kind of saying it's an excuse to get themselves back in training because say probably 90% of the squad is fully retired. So, And then the opportunity for them to go and play in front of a crowd again, in front of Wolves fans. I think that's really excited quite a few of them. And also with young children they've got now, getting them to be able to come and watch. Because obviously when they were at Wolves in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, that sort of era, they might not have had kids or the kids might have been very, very young. So to have the opportunity 10, 15 years later, I think they're, they're really looking forward to it. So, there's some great names, in particular that promotion season. Loads of that 0809 team are in it. Then also some players from the um, the Premier League years leading up to that. Then even some from the Kenny Jacket era as well. So it's yeah, it's really good. All, all household names, which is is amazing. No, definitely. Dave, I think, I, 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 I yeah. thinking last time you were on the show, you said you you still occasionally text Stefan Meyerhofer. No, <laughs> I wish was, I did. I can't think who it was. Which you said they still talk to Stefan Meyerhofer occasionally. A, a contract, a talks broken down for a Stefan Meyer appearance. Yeah, we've already got the forward position sorted. Um, I got one gotta more, be Sylvan. Yeah, I've got I've got one more space left for. Um, I've left one space open for someone who can't commit yet um, because of horse horse issues in terms of he's got his he owns a few racehorses and there's foaling issues so you can probably work out who that is a striker who's into yeah. his horses um yeah so he's kind of said he might be able to come but it all depends if his horses are given he's coming to Cheltenham isn't it yeah of yeah. course yes that area yeah, so racehorse season I was say it must have been a, I was going to say a bit of a moment when you mentioned a lot of the lads well they have got a bit more availability because they have most of them have now retired. Yeah, and that must have been a bit of a, a bit of a moment for you. But we actually, yeah, all these guys have you know are either in management, they're doing their own things, or you know they've got like you know uh, um, Foley and Steve Ward. They're both um, they're both coaching, aren't they? Um, right. yeah. With with, um, with Johnson, aren't they? At the moment, it sort of seems like 
I, I, I guess like I remember uh, Jody Craddock had a testimonial. Oh, great! What nearly ten years ago now? I guess it must have yeah. been. And there was yeah. a couple of first teamers like so who were there, and they say it does feel like a bit end of an era in a way. But you know, you mentioned about oh, you know, you're almost surprised by how many people kind of said, yeah, I'm up for it. I guess that sort of speaks to testament about yourself, though, because you, you're right. You played for these clubs for, you say, nearly testimonial levels on two clubs and never and a bookmarking your career. But it, de- it definitely speaks to, te- you know, about the impact you had, I guess, over those time periods with both teams. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. I think <laughs> I, I'm, so I keep saying I'm really grateful. Like, I was... I never ever dreamt really that I would get to the level I did. Even play for Shrewsbury was sort of my biggest dream and ambition. Mm. So I didn't sign up to the academy there till I was in my last year at school. So I was kind of late into the game as it was. And then to be playing for the first team under a year later, that was just like incredible. So that was I, that sort of rise was really quickly. But then to go and play for Wolves and play in the Premier League international level, it was all a, a huge surprise. So looking back on my career and thinking I got to play for nearly 10 years for Wolves and you look at the size of the football club and what it's like now, I always say looking back now, that is just ridiculous to think I could have done that. It was never in my conscious mind that that was ever going to be achievable. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And obviously along the way, you meet so many great players and great people in the football club and I say they're all good humans. And as you can see by them agreeing to come along and take time out of their, their weekends and, they're not getting paid for this in any, in any shape yeah. or form. They're turning up from all over the country uh, to come and play in, in my testimony. I think it's more for, for them lads than anything, which I'm, I'm really appreciative for. No, definitely, yeah, yeah, we definitely good fun. Um, I would say, my, my, I guess my question, very leading question, is there a chance for other people to have a chance to play? There is, there is, yeah. So by the end of next week, we're hoping to have all the players announced. They're, they're all confirmed. They're just kind of drip feeding the names out. But by the end of next week, which will be two weeks before the the game, all the players will be announced, and then there'll be an opportunity. Then uh, we're going to do a sort of raffle to auction a place off on each team. But it's going to be so everyone can have a go. It's not going to be like highest bid or anything like that. It's going to be, I think, five pound in, and you can nominate yourself or a friend or someone else to go in. And then it'll get drawn maybe the week before the game. Uh, and what what an amazing opportunity to to play with what would have been 15 years ago the the people you were singing on the pitch um, when they win the championship more than so. Yeah. It's uh, that'll be a good opportunity, a great experience to see what the dressing room's like. The bands will be absolutely flying, I'm sure, especially as a few of the lads maybe aren't in as good shape as what they used to be. So I've already had this discussion about kit sizes. That to put. Um, I had to put a size castor size guide into a WhatsApp group I've set up. The replies coming back, I was like, "Oh, I'm, I don't, I'm not, trying to say it nicely, but you sure you don't want the size?" <laughs> I was going to say, cast, I was going to say, not not to give too many warnings, but castor runs small if you ask me, and that's not just because I've hit thirty. Don't tell me that. <laughs> I'd say, especially like my pro fits, I think they are a bit snugger than they uh, than they used to be, in my opinion. And yeah. you say, say, keep him fit. You still got George Elakobi on the pitch. So, yeah. you know, that's, you know, I don't think he's let himself go just yet. Um, but I was going to say, um, for anyone who's watching, listening, uh, we will make sure we're promoting it as much as possible. So when the raffle's open, uh, you can have a go. Wolves fans or Shrewsbury fans, I guess, if you decide to listen to our podcast as well. Um, but the ga- uh, date of the game is the 26th of March. And it is which, is, uh, which is international weekend as well. So there's no Wolves game that weekend. So Even better. 
and the England game's not till five o'clock. So great opportunity to if you're from if you're from Wolverhampton to make the journey down the M54 and you can still get back in time for the England game. Um, and then there's I know there's a lot of Wolves fans in sort of the Telford and Shrewsbury areas as well. So yeah, it'd be it'd be amazing if as many people could turn out for that because say all the money goes to a great cause. But it'd be great to have a sort of a decent crowd inside the stadium for the lads as well to play in. Yeah, we'll I'll have... definitely be having a lot of goals on this raffle because if there's any sort of little <laughs> rascal that deserves to be playing in this game, it's this little rascal. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Dan, if you win the if you somehow win the raffle, can you get like can we get Dan to have a wolf top that says ten little rascal on it? Definitely. If not, if not Dan, we'll just, we'll just do it ourselves. It's fine. We, we um, can definitely, definitely get that. We we'll get the names. We we'll get the names printed up anyway. So yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It doesn't matter what age a man gets; he always has the lingering thought that he can still make it professional. This game, all it takes is a last-minute winner from the little rascal. And before you know it, I'm I'm playing in League Two for someone. Well, I have it. I've extended an invitation to Jeff Shee, so you, you never know. You never know. There we go. There we go. This could, this could be your opportunity, Dan. Um, I've, I've basically already won the raffle. I, I, I... <laughs> I was say, will it? My fear now is, will it look too much like an inside job if you win at this point? It'll all be done honestly and above board. Be fine. I was say, make sure. I was going to say, de- definitely enter. Going to great causes. I mean, I live Shropshire way, so I've been to Little Rascals soft play as well. So definitely, if you get the chance, go check out all of that as well. And hopefully, Dan gets a chance to play and score. Go on, Dan. Also, Rich, we've we've actually purchased two tickets, which we're going to competition off next week. Even oh, better. Very much, guys. Even better. So you know it. As I say, make sure you get a chance to enter the fan cast as well in terms of watching it. You've got the chance to play in it. It's going to be a great, it's going to be a great day either way, you know. So definitely make sure you go check it out. As I say, hopefully Dan scores because Wolves aren't really doing much of it at the moment. Um, I've been, I've been building in that link for about four minutes in my head. Um, but yeah, we will talk about less fun stuff that Wolves did lose uh, last night to Liverpool. And it was a bit of a frustrating one, really, um, Dan, I found. Because going into the game, with Liverpool being so up and down form-wise at the moment, I thought we had a real chance. What did you think pre-kick-off? Yeah, I, I, I felt like the, the main majority of the fan base thought if we if we turn up at Anfield and we, we give them a good goal, we would, we'd come away with at least a point, which I thought was a bit naive. Obviously, Virgil van Dijk and Diago Jota both returned for Liverpool last night and that they were so pivotal in, in their win last night. Virgil obviously got the, uh, the the first goal, but Jota just brings something different to what Liverpool have been lacking in, in recent months with the the high press and the intensity that they've, they've missed since Sadio Mane left. I thought their midfield was there to be exploited and for the first sort of 10 to 15 minutes, I thought we were the better team. Obviously, we had a couple of half chances, Matinho on... The, um, the edge of the box and Jimenez had that little bicycle kick which Sarabia just missed. Um, but all of Liverpool's main chances in that first half tended to result from Mateus Nunes trying to play his way out of dangerous areas and in, in, inevitably play us into trouble. Yeah, you're completely right on the midfield because I think, you know, you stack up 
that Wolves midfield of Lamina Neves, Nunes, Matinho versus Fabinho and, you know, t- two good youngsters in um, Elliot and uh, Bosectish? I have, I cannot pronounce his name and I tried all yesterday too. Wolves, yeah. <laughs> there we go. But on paper, Dave, that, that's like a pretty even match, in my opinion. Wolves have got a lot of a lot of quality in there, but you know, I think it was definitely fair to be exploited. I really fancied Wolves yesterday before the game, and um, so I, I didn't see the game live because obviously it wasn't on the TV. But I followed it sort of online and um, watched the highlights back and things like that. But um, I'd have liked to have seen them go a clear two up front again. I thought it worked really well in the home game and having a, a real force on the counter-attack, I think playing um, Sarabia up front and maybe bringing Adama in from the start might have been an option. I can understand why they brought Jaime Tino in to kind of nice and, nice and the body midfield, but I feel like they could have really played on the counter-attack a little bit more. Um, but Wolves started well, and I think same as in, in some recent games and even a look at the Villa game as well, that just taking control when you're on top taking advantage of it I think against Bournemouth last week 1-0 up and they um nil-nil but they're the better team Wolves are going into half time and they really could have put their foot down and, and gone for it and tried to get that goal and maybe a bit similar with the Liverpool game Aston Villa are away where they're 1-0 up they had chances to go and take the game away from Villa there's a few opportunities this year where since Lopetegui's came in where they've been in good positions and not quite taken advantage of them. And that's the only criticism I can have because it's been revolutionary since he's come in and what he's done with the team. Um, but I did feel Wolves could have won that game in, in that midfield battle yesterday with their athleticism and nice and the quality they've got as well. But it just didn't quite happen. They weren't able to capitalise on that. That could start. It just yeah, feels Wolves at the moment. They're, they're either, I don't know whether it's them lacking bravery or lacking confidence because you mentioned the, the Aston Villa game there, Dave. When we went 1 0 up, there were, there were like a, a few attacks that we had, which it, in the end ended up with Samada some, some going all the way back to the keeper instead of trying to like drive on past the fullback or, or just trying to like a 1 2. They seem to be lacking, so I don't know whether it's bravery or confidence, but it's, it seems to be the same routine passages of play, which eight times out of ten, we end up going backwards instead of being a bit more brave. Yeah, I think I think at Anfield, it's a completely different animal. But if you look back at the Villa game, sort of Villa Park and the Bournemouth game in particular, and Fulham last week as well, their games where I think Wolves are that on top and playing that well in those first halves that they should be out of sight almost by the time the second half kicks off. And they haven't got to worry about them nicking a goal back and it being completely old Bournemouth going one nil ahead and that just killing Wolves' game plan completely. And it's, it's not, I don't know if it's a bravery thing, but it just feels like when, I remember when I was playing and you were playing a team which is a lot better than you, which Wolves is at the moment, then it feel like you're clearing the ball and it's just coming straight back wave after wave of attack. And maybe in those moments in games, we are maybe kind of letting them off the hook a little bit too easy by playing backwards themselves and playing a little bit too, not safe, but sort of trying to control the game, but controlling it in the middle third of the pitch rather than really getting them pinned in, getting them right back in their own final third, corner after corner, throwing after throwing, not just lumping the ball in the box, but really having that that pressure high up the pitch with possession and just waiting for them to break. And I feel like they've got the players in the squad to do that. They are lacking a, a number nine. Everyone can see that at the moment, but... It just feels like they are letting teams off the hook a little bit too easy from a 
territory point of view, from uh, an energy point of view, they're just giving them a little bit too much of a break to get in their shape and get themselves out and things like that. That's kind of where I feel it's going. At the moment. Liverpool's a bit different. You're Anfield and you're not expected to have that sort of territory in the game. But the games leading up to that Fulham, Bournemouth, Villa, I think they could have really been out of sight, really. I don't, I don't think it's as simple as just we need a, an out-to-out number nine. Because if you look at sort of Jimenez and Diego Costa, it's not like they're missing sitter after sitter. They're not really being creating like good, they're not being created good chances. I thought Jimenez did okay at, at Fulham last weekend. But you look back over the 90 minutes, he didn't really have a clear-cut chance. No, I, I agree with that as well. And I think Wolves have attacked well when teams aren't in their shapes, so when they've counted well. You look at, say, the goals against... Um, West Ham at home is a good example, being able to get up the pitch quickly and you're crossing the ball before the opposition sets. So they're still running back towards their own goal, whereas the build-up can be a little bit too slow. So the defence is really in their shape, ready to go. Whereas I think when they, when they are in their shape, that's where it needs to be wave after wave. You're really putting pressure on them, having those balls which hurt them down the inside of fullbacks. I think everything kind of goes round the outside and they're never really having to come out of their shape, the the opposition's defence. Whereas if you can play those slide balls down the sides of the centre-backs and the full-backs and get into those areas and flashing balls across and, and just, just cross the ball more as well, almost waiting for that perfect moment. That's why I like Hugo Bueno at left-back because he does get half a yard and he'll cross the ball. Mm. Ray Nate Nori, I think, is just as good as Hugo Bueno, but he frustrates me because he'll get his half a yard and then he'll come back. And as a striker, that must be infuriating, just waiting for the ball to come in. Um, so I think not enough balls come in the box, not enough uh, real incisive passes behind the opposition's defence, letting them get out a little bit too easy. But then also in the box, not enough players are making runs across the opposition's defence as well. Um, we, we touched on before we went on air about the Bournemouth game. We had one chance with a, someone going across one of the Bournemouth centre-backs, and it was Jean Moutinho, five foot five, five foot seven, or whatever it is, gets across uh, Senesi, their centre-back. No one else did that once, where it's crying out for just a striker or a midfielder just to be breaking those those lines, running across people in the box. Because even if they don't win it, it just means that they're, the opposition defence is having to think about that movement. They might not be able to clear it properly. It might bounce down then in the box to somebody else. Um, just not, yeah, not hurting the opposition enough in in that way. But the, but the, from our goal to the penalty box is is fast, is amazing, it's brilliant to watch. Some of the technical ability the boys have got is outrageously good. Being able to control games, the Southampton game where they're down to ten men, I'm thinking it doesn't matter. Wolves are ten men, they're still better than Southampton because they can all handle the ball that well. They're not going to have a lack of yeah. the ball, and I was really confident they were going to get back into that game. But it's just that final bit, and I do think it will come. But at the same with, with Lopetegui kind of working on it, working on it, working on it. There has been improvements since Bruno Large in that respect, but not as much as I think what we would have hoped. Um, and they are lacking, they are lacking, I think, that killer instinct as well in, in the box. Do you think part of it's still a fitness level? Because, you know, we've noted like most of those games, you have that second half drop off. And I don't know whether it's a fitness issue or a player issue in terms of being able to consistently make those runs forward it, it it takes it out of them but it is you know we definitely was felt under large and you sort of hope well as further season goes on the fit of these some of these players should be to kind of consistently mount that pressure or you know get that second goal and it just seems they can't quite get over that initial hurdle to really kill off a game then manage out the situation because you're right 
Wolves have got for players to be kind of any team on the counter attack. Like you know, if we're two 0 up against Liverpool like we were after fifteen minutes um, a couple of weeks ago, the, the team had so much confidence because a Liverpool were shambles, but b they knew well we've got a Dimitri already on the pitch now. And you're right. As soon as we, if we win that ball in the midfield, we're away and we have that opportunity. But if they're not in that very specific situation, there does seem to be a bit of a breakdown of eventually within the game because you know either Nunes gets you know Mateus Nunes gets frustrated, Jamatino doesn't seem to be able to be a 90 minute player anymore, and you know it doesn't seem to it all seems to kind of not quite click after 60 minutes anymore. They need that comfort blanket of two 0 don't they? Like you're saying, that mm. the very specific situation because at one nil they can't really sit deep and that pressure. Whereas when they're two nil against Liverpool, they could literally drop down onto the edge of their box, knowing they got that counter attack, knowing Liverpool are really going to have to open up to get back into the game. And then there was two or three opportunities. Then wasn't there? Raul missed a good chance at the end in that game. Mm. Quite easily been four. Um, but yeah, they, they've got to find a way of, of killing teams off, get into that two nil stage. Because at the moment, it seems to be a bit of a, a mental block as you get into 50 minutes, 55, 60 minutes, and it's only 1-0 or it's 0-0. Then you're almost just waiting then, aren't you, for the opportunity for the opposition to get that one opportunity and they take it. And it's kind of all that hard work and the domina- domination they've showed is all undone. And I think that's the frustrating yeah. thing for the fans. that They're playing so well, but just not able to capitalise on it. I think one of the biggest like things that aggravates me is the fact that this summer we finally sacrificed that third centre-back which we've had for the last however many years obviously losing Conor Cody which should have given us more ample opportunities to create chances and score more goals but we still seem to be lacking bodies in the box and we, sh- we should have more players available now, now we've sacrificed that, that centre-back Yeah, that, logically that makes sense doesn't it but if for whatever reason it, it doesn't I think what we... Um... What we struggled with, when I look at the, the Bournemouth game in particular, is when we were getting crosses in the box when Adama was on, but then there's no one in the box to head it in. And then they bring Costa and Raul on and they take Adama off and put Sarabi right wide right. And then all of a sudden he's coming back in on his left foot and they're crossing the ball from 40 yards deeper. It's just about getting the, the right personnel on the pitch at the right time. Um, and I do think Cunha is a, is a big miss yesterday because... Mm. Especially when he plays up front with someone, he drops into some amazing pockets of space, which is really hard for defenders to mark. And if you can have people running beyond him as he does that, I think that's such a, a threat. But then obviously losing him is a, a huge blow. I didn't kind of quite appreciate how big a loss he was until kind of we played yesterday because he just he's right, he picks up space and he keeps the ball. Yeah, and it's it's like for it's so valuable for a team who don't have lot. That starting them don't have huge amounts of pace just to afford, you know, the, the Fulham game is a great example, just to afford everyone to have that bit of extra time to get forward. And, you know, whether it's Neves or whoever, and, you know, Sarabia gets the goal, but Neves is steaming in behind. And just to have those couple of extra players who can hold the ball up and play that I'm trying, I, I can't quite get a gauge on at the moment is Mateus Nunes because I know, Dan, you were quite frustrated with him in the first half because. When he gets the ball 20 yards from his own goal and he beats four players, it can be wonderful. And all of a sudden, he just opens up the pitch. But a lot, there were a few times yesterday that I know annoyed you, Dan, where he did it and then, you know, got his, you know, got the ball nicked off by Fabinho or whatever. 
how do you kind of see his time at Wolves so far? Because he's had moments, but it's been very much moments rather than games. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Obviously, the the uh, the reputation that he came with, the transfer fee that we've paid for him, and sort of the mindset that we've chosen him over João Polina is quite frustrating for me because you can see there's a player there. Like I said, I think I might have said it off off air. He's or I think he actually knows it live actually. When he goes to a better side this summer, which is looking likely, he's going to look like a world beater because you can tell. He's got that sort of joy for midfield. Not not as good as Jude Bellingham, but he's 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 got that way. He can he can carry a 20, 30 yards in about sort of ten seconds from deep. But my biggest frustration with him yesterday, you mentioned that that Fabinho um, interception off him, turning into your own box. It's it's so naive. And for for a player like Nunes, I think Lopetegui's came out this week and says you need to start to learn how to play to his strengths and sort of learn the dynamics of the Premier League. Because I feel like sometimes he feels like he's got too much time on the ball or he's getting manhandled in really dangerous areas where you shouldn't be looking to to drive out of your defence. I mean, it's, it's become so repetitive now. You know he's going to drop a shoulder and then go the other way. That's 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 one of his main skills, really, to, to break out from deep. But sometimes he's... He's, just, he's got to release it to sort of Lamina or Neves because uh, there is going to be a time that he's going to cost us a goal trying to play out from deep. I I, I think he's one of Wolves' best players in terms of what, what he can bring, but it's almost like the game is too easy for him. And so he, mm. he plays a little bit too casual because he's that good. Like Some of the stuff you see him do, he is like one of the best midfielders in the world. Like Being able to receive the ball in deep areas and just effortlessly glide past players. doesn't even look like he's turned into a sprint, but he's moving away from players. And the way he receives the ball is is very, very good. He welcomes that contact. So he'll, he'll let you kind of, he'll let, he'll let an opposition midfielder come and like get close to him. Because as soon as he touches you, he knows, he, like you said, Dan, he'll drop his shoulder and go the other way and then just glide away. But I just don't know how he's not at just running games. Whereas you look what Ruben Neves does, where Wolves play at Ruben Neves' tempo because he will dominate a game of football. Whereas I think Mateus Nunes has that ability and a completely different um, assets to his game was his, his running power. But you just, just want to see more of it and for it almost stick a rocket up his backside and say, come on, you're, you're so good, just, just do it. Because um, he's blessed with natural ability, the way his shoulders move when he receives the ball and just... Doesn't look like he's fast, but moves so quickly with it. I just want to see him like driving through midfield the ball. I want to see him hitting, getting in the box so much more from midfield as well. Like he, he should be scoring five to ten goals a season easily with the type of player he is. It's almost like he wants to drop really deep to get the ball, and he wants to spray the passes around where you're almost better off letting Ruben do that and playing maybe 15 yards higher up the pitch if you Mateus Nunes and then playing him on the left I think serves a purpose for what Wolves are trying to accomplish at the moment he's, he's not a left winger um, he, no. can, he can find different difficult areas to pick him up but he still wants to drop deep so I know you've got Hugo Bueno or Renick Nori bombing up that left side but it's not like he's picking up the pockets which Pedence would pick up or even Wangi Chan would pick up he's dropping back mm. alongside Ruben Nevers isn't he a little bit too deep to get the ball which he has the ability to do. I think when he's played alongside Ruben Nevers in that holding two, he, he's, he looks really comfortable and good there. But I just think he can offer so much more in that final third. And he's just waiting for it to click. He's like he has, he's had moments in a wall shit, hasn't he? You think it's happening. He, he's finally here. And then he'll drift mm. out of the game again. 
and just be a little bit too casual. And then he'll come back in a game later and he's oh, right, now's the time. Um, Mateus Nunes has arrived and then it just doesn't quite happen again. So I rambled there. You sort of mentioned it earlier, Dave, about how how casually he plays. It feels like he still hasn't acclimatised to the full tempo of Premier League because sometimes, like I say, he's so casual, whereas playing on the Portuguese League and some Champions League games, he would have been able to play at, at his pace. Yeah. I, don't, I feel he's too casual at times, but there's definitely a player in there. So it's, it's, fr- it's frustrating because you know he's going to go on to be a world beater because there isn't many sort of number eight midfielders like that out there in the world at the moment. And it's not, it's not from a physical point of view. It's not like you can't handle the Premier League physically. It's just about understanding. But he's that good and that confident. He will go and try and receive the ball in his own box. But then he'll he's not a midfielder who will get it and pass it. He wants to get it. He wants to go past somebody, just drive past them and then carry on playing from there. And when you're doing that in your own box in the Premier League, it will come off maybe four times out of five. But the ones it doesn't come off, you're in big trouble. So it's about it's more understanding where and where not to play. I think physically he, he he can handle the Premier League. I've no doubt about that. He can he can run. He's strong. He can hold the ball up. He's strong. Um, it's just more that that mental aspect of when and where he can affect the game. And I think he needs to be affecting the game probably 15, 20 yards higher up the pitch than what he, he is at the moment. Well, I think that's what's brought out the best in Ruben Nevis this season, or definitely in Lopetegui. But he is playing that a bit more advanced because, in my opinion, you want your best players and your most creative players to influence the game as high up the pitch as possible because that's what they are, that's what they do. And Nevis, again, like I think I said on the last show, to be fair, that um, his ceiling just keeps rising and rising. To, no matter, you know, you're playing as a defensive midfielder. He's Wolves' best defensive midfielder. He's then box-to-box midfielder. And, it, it, you know, I know it's just the player that he is and the character that he is, but I do kind of wonder, well, you know, do we build a team around Mateus Nunes? Like, because he, he's almost such an individual type of player in terms of his skill set. To get the best out of him, I'm I'm really intrigued how Lopetegui handles it in the short and you know long term. In yeah, because that left wing position doesn't suit him. Because you're right, what he does is he ends up playing as a left midfielder rather than a left winger. So, you know, we're crying out for, oh, we need another player in attack. And it's actually Ruben Neves because, no, so it's Nunes we're missing out on because he picked up the ball 10 seconds earlier on the edge of his box, beat two players, but he's then not managed to get up to top gear 50 yards at the pitch because how could he? And it, I think there is that marrying up being able to play the position and be the player sometimes, which I, I don't know. I really hope he hits that top form for us because there's clearly a player who is just, if he wants to be, he will be the best player on the pitch one day. Yeah. But at the moment, we get just these flashes of, you know, brilliance. But, you know, it's whether you can control the game or not. Um, but I think it's going to be really telling. Um, one player on the wall side who I definitely think didn't deserve to be on a losing side last night was Craig Dawson, who... Game by game, I, I'm sorry, I just love a proper traditional centre-half. And I was going to say, not that I'm not entirely grateful for you being on. I'm a bit, you know, it's a shame that Sam Ricketts isn't on because he's almost got that quality that Sam Ricketts had in the Wolves top, where just if he plays, everyone around him is just that bit calmer. And there's, there's nothing, nothing Craig Dawson does that's particularly fancy, you know, 
particularly complex in what he does, whether it's passing, tackling, heading, whatever. But he just does everything spot on. Yeah, he's he's a he's a leader as well, isn't he? I think mm. I know Max Kilman didn't have his best game last night, but I think he's brought Max's game on to another level mm. as well. Once he's been in the team, I think he's looked more like his old self when he had Connor Cody. Next thing, yeah. this, this is no dig against Nathan Collins. I think Nathan Collins is going to be a top top defender, but he's only twenty one, isn't he, Nathan Collins? So mm. it's it's hard to kind of look after yourself that age, let alone try and control someone else through the game. And Connor Cody had that ability, and Dawson's got it as well. So I think he brings out other better. I think Semedo's played a lot better since he's been on that right hand side as well, hasn't he? Yeah. I think he influences people around him, just like I think Connor Cody did. So he makes them better. But then, more than anything else, his positional sense is is excellent. He just seems to be in the right place at the right time. Very rarely gets exposed um, to someone running at him because he's already in the right position. I think that's a real key attribute. And then one of the most exciting things when he signed was how good he is in both boxes in terms of defending crosses, mm-hmm. but then also getting on the end of crosses the other end. I think Wolves haven't done enough offset pieces this season, but I know he got the goal against Liverpool, but he's another player who can who can score offset pieces or at least win the first contact. So it's, it's been a, a brilliant sign-in. And whenever a player signs to Wolves, I'll always check the Twitter of the team he's leaving, and that'll give you a sense of what sort of how he's contributes to that club. And the West Ham fans were gutted he's gone. They were gutted because yeah. he's not like a, a sexy player in terms of the way he plays and a household name. And that was it. But you can tell every West Ham fan, or say 95% of them, were, were gutted that he was leaving. Mm. I, I think we've got a, a really good player. Yeah, 3.3 million pounds for a defender that was in the Europa League team of the season last season. Yeah. It's no mug, is he? Like you said, Richard, he does he does all the basics, Roy. And I know you're the same as me, Rich. I love that tackle he put on Jota in the oh, second half. I was, it, was I was the waiting, second half. It, was, it was in the first half, and I was waiting. Honestly, I, I've preferred that to some Ruben Neves passes. I'm not going to lie. It was so thunderous of the way he just cleaned out Diogo Jota with such controlled aggression. And it was. It was like a proper like throwback tackle, and the if Diogo Jota had well less about him, you'd have heard nothing from him the rest of the game. He completely just nullified it, and I uh, just, I uh, just uh, genuinely good. He, he didn't deserve to be on a losing side yesterday, um, which is you know a real shame. But it's right, we didn't mentioned earlier, Dan. We didn't really create enough chances in that first half. And we let Liverpool just grow into the game, step you know, step by step. And they had a few chances towards the end of the first half. And I remember um, me and you were chatting at half-time about what Wolves needed to do. And they did make the changes and they brought on a diamond to try and give us that bit of extra pace and enthusiasm. But it didn't seem to quite click. And Liverpool did score, um, but it was disallowed for once. Wolves got a VAR decision at... You know, at Anfield, which which we'll always take. Um, I was massively, massively, massively annoyed at that, genuinely, because I don't understand how, it, how the referee had to go to the monitor to disallow that goal. VAR can sh- clearly see there's contact from Jotter on Kilman's leg. What it needs to go to the monitor just aggravated me so much because if it would have been the other way around, you just know it would have been disallowed 10 minutes before the decision was finally made. Dave, are you partly glad you're not playing in the VAR era, or is it? I played. 
played in one VAR game in my in my career. Anfield <laughs> for Shrewsbury. We went one nil up. Yes, got, and he got disallowed from VAR because Scotty Goldborn's heel was his heel was offside about 15 seconds before the goal was scored, and then they went down the other end and scored. And we lost one nil. So I've got fond memories of it and Anfield, like you said. <laughs> I want experience with it. It's it's I, I think it's more often than not it, it gets obviously decisions right, is which what is what everyone wants, but it's just it needs to be done quicker. I think like mm. that needs to be done quicker. And then there's where there's obvious things, you don't need to have the big rigmarole around it. They could clearly say, Yeah, massive error, it's it's a foul or it's not a goal, or he's, he's massively offside. Just get it done quickly, get the ball back in play. I understand if there's some real tight decisions or there's maybe a penalty decision which they think, oh, I'm not sure the referee does need to look at this again. And that's fair enough. But the ones which are clear cut, you don't need to kind of wait for, like you said, the ref to go to the monitor and all those sorts of things because it slows the game down and there's not enough information is there in the stands when that's going on as well. I get the, when I do commentary, I kind of get the luxury of, you can hear the the conversation between the VAR and not hear the referee, but you can hear what what's going on in the VAR room. So you can see what they're seeing and where they're stopping it, where they're pausing it and what they're, what they think about it. And it is, it's good, but they should just be able to get to it quicker, quicker. Cause is, it, there, is there, is there one 100% coherent conversation when you're hearing this or do you hear them having doubts or trying to fabricate reasons not to give and give goals, Dave? <laughs> No, all they're saying is don't give it to Wolves. That's all I hear. No, they were, knew it, knew it, knew it. <laughs> Clip it. Um, I think the, the way they the way they do it is if if they feel the referee's not seen something, they'll just say you need to check for this and then leave it open ended for him. If that makes sense. Hmm. Like there was decision. Oh, I can't remember the game now, where Wolves in real time it didn't look like a penalty, but Wolves got a penalty down at the North Bank end for a handball. Do you remember that? Kind of across the right hand side. Forest or Brighton? Brighton it was. Yeah, Brighton, because Brighton were unbelievable, weren't they, first 20 minutes and mm. were flying. Yeah, it was that game against Lewis Dunk, I think. So, like, yes. I, I didn't see that in commentary, and I thought it was a bit harsh. But then, like, the message on to the referee was, check possible handball and then kind of the situation. So, the referee then knows what he's going to look at um, and what he's missed. So, it's kind of leaves it open to the referee. So, it won't say it looks like a handball or anything like that. They'll say possible handball what the player was and then go and look at it basically. What's your opinion on the um, sort of offside criteria, Dave? Do you feel like them ruling out really legible goals? Do you you think they need to like sort of change the criteria of what is offside? Because you you talked about Scotty Goldborn's heel, you saw um, Pedro Net Johnny Otto at Liverpool when Neto scored a few scenes. I thought Casemiro's goal against Newcastle last Sunday was. I still don't think it was um, onside, but somehow they managed to find a, an angle to give it. So, yeah. what's your opinions on the offside criteria? I think the, I think the criteria is the problem. The actual the lines they draw and that that is accurate. I've been down to Stockley Park and, and seen it all in action, and it is very sort of the lines you see on the telly aren't kind of their initial lines. They see they're like paper thin what they see and the angles and they kind of even though if the camera's not directly in line with it they know exactly what that line should look like and it is paper thin so you can literally see if someone is offside clearly um i think the criteria is wrong 
when you're trying to go off someone's arm, the way you're going to put that line is the problem. I think they're going to do it like that. I've always said that I believe there should be daylight between the feet. So the striker's heel and the defender's toe, if there's daylight offside, if there's a crossover at all, I think it should be onside and kind of giving the, the, the striker the benefit of the doubt. I think in just using the foot as a clear and obvious thing, because you can see where the heel is, you can see where the toe is, that would be the most consistent way for me. But trying to take it off the shoulder and things like that, yeah, I think it's really difficult to, to judge that. No, I, I agree. You say it's like, well, where does the shoulder sit? And, you know, they'll, they'll release the images of, you know, the mannequins. It's like, how far up the shoulder? You know, I don't, you say, like, it's it's so frustrating because you say, like, they spend, like, it feels like an eternity deciding what the decision's going to be. Um, a player who I did think actually played really well for Wolves, but came to criticism for both goals was Jose Sar. Now, I thought he had a really good game yesterday in terms of shot stopping and keeping Wolves in it. And even for Van Dyke's goal, I think the initial save was really solid. But do you think he could have done more to tip it down the post? Because I think the frustration from a few comments on YouTube that we've had and some of on Twitter have been that he should have tipped it round the post and like got it out of play rather than keeping it alive for someone like Diego Jossus to knock it back inside. Um, what what do you think of the goal, um, Dave slash um, Sire overall? Um, yeah, I think in the moment when it happens so quickly, it's hard to kind of say you need to get it out and away around the post. It's just a reaction save. So I can't yeah. criticise him too much. But I think with Jose Sarr, he was that good last season. I just don't, I don't think he's hit the heights this season. There's mm. been a few little, not a few mistakes in there, but then I don't think his say, he hasn't saved as much as what he would have done last year for whatever reason. Um, I think he was that good last year and what an amazing signing. He hasn't quite hit those heights, but yeah, I, I wouldn't go over the top on on the the one he parried back mm. to Van Dijk, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think, Dan? Well, Dave, I mean, there's, I've got a good photo somewhere of me and my dad stand, stood in front of Matt Murray, and we're not the type of people to be aquarium goalkeepers. <laughs> I, I, I thought Max Kilman was at fault for the for the first goal. There was a moment that led up to the attack where he tried to play out from the back, and he ended up running out for a, um, a throw in, taking a bad touch. And before you know it, they've they've sort of capitalised on that in the in the following attack. The pass that sort of Van Dijk's header comes at Jose I saw getting a good hand, and it was a was a good hand for me. Ideally, he would have pushed it around the post, but. The goal was coming at that point. We we, we, yeah, we were struggling yeah. to sort of contain them. It, obviously, Jota had that run for the goal that got disallowed, but it, it just felt like the goal was coming at that point. I think that that's it for me. For you know, what first goal was seventy third minute, so we'd spent you know a good half an hour just trying to keep them at bay. And I, I remember you know when Nunes's goal was disallowed, thinking. I can't remember the last time Bulls had any sort of control in this game. So it was definitely coming. And then to concede a second one four minutes later, it felt preventable just because I think there was a slip at the start of it. But again, it's frustrating because I don't think we deserved it in a way, but also at the same time, you remember Premier League, you'll get you will get punished by, by any opposition for you know even the most minor of mistakes on like the halfway line. 
Again, Rich, I, I don't feel VAR got the lines out quick enough to, to see whether Simicast was um, offside in the build-up for the second goal, but that's yeah. just my, my opinion, because it looked close to me. Mm. What do you think about the, um, the, the for the Salah goal in terms of the defending? I think it was Max who went back to the line and left yeah. Salah. It's such a split. It's a, sec- it's a hard decision to make in that split second. Do I try and protect the goal? But then you're leaving... Salah sort yeah. of on his own. He's not going to miss from there. Whereas I, I, feel, I feel you've got to give your, you've got to sort of back your keeper at the near post to keep the shot out. So Kilman should have been going towards Salah for me there. Yeah, yeah I, I, so that's my, it, that's my one thing on the goal, which I thought maybe could have been preventable. But I say again, when it happened so quickly, um, yeah. Well, there's almost like a line of him, wasn't there? He feels like if it wasn't Max, someone else could have maybe got to him as well. But yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's difficult for Kilman in that position um, because you say like, he's caught between a rock and a hard place. But at the end of the day, he can prevent Salah from doing something and Saar can prevent you know, the shot from happening. He can't prevent both of those things. So you've got, uh, I agree with Dan, back, back your goalkeeper and try and hold the space. Yeah. But if he does that, it looks awful on camera. Because yeah. all that will happen is that, you know, the attack will just go, oh, look how much space we've got and open up his body and still potentially have the shot. So it is difficult. Um, the only other thing around the game I wanted to talk about was Fabinho. Now, I genuinely, I don't know if there's a midfielder I despise more because of his sheer ability to avoid getting sent off in games. I don't know how he does it to consistently not get yellow cards very often or red cards. And... I mean, I had the joy of looking through Liverpool Twitter uh, yesterday about the incident on Lamina. And, to, and, that, and it was very rich seeing that they said there's an agenda against Liverpool um, when it comes to it. But I, I'll move that aside and talk about the incident. Because when I saw it in real time, I did worry a little bit for Mario Lamina. Because I thought, oh, he has gone in a bit full-blooded there. But... Do you think there was enough of a stamp to justify a red card, or do you think it was very much two very combative midfielders clashing in the middle of the park and Lamina got the ball? It always looks worse when you slow it down, doesn't it? I mm. think momentum played a big part in it at real time. It's it's difficult, but yeah, when you slow it down, it looks nasty, I thought, and it could have quite easily been a red card. I agree with what you just said there, Rich. Lamina's touch got away from him and he, and he threw himself in full-blooded. Um, like I say, when he slowed down, it, it did look a lot, did look really bad from what Fabinho did. But the, my biggest grievance with Fabinho there was he got booked in that scenario and then about five or ten minutes later, he stopped Jao Gomez in the transition and that should have been another booking. Mm. But everyone's so sort of focused on it should have been a straight red that... Yeah, there was a clear second booking that he should have had. That was just yeah. Paul Tierney. From the moment he booked um, Bajatic or what, Stephen B in the first the first fifteen minutes, he, he sort of ruined the game there because his consistency after that moment didn't follow. Yeah, and 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 to be fair, that first booking, it was a, it was a mirror image of what of the Fabinho one. Jao Gomez skips away, and he, he say he trips him up. It's a classic, you know, stop the play nice and early. But I almost think that if Fabinho doesn't get punished at all for the stamp, quote unquote, he gets a booking there. Yeah, definitely. And you know, the, the, it's frustrating. You know, it doesn't impact the result. Don't get me wrong. 
but it's still it's still irritating. Yeah, that's the, that's the frustrating thing because I, I don't want to go into the whole blaming rest because our performance didn't warrant a, a, a point. But there was another scenario where there was four or five Liverpool players around the ref, and from what I gather, there was they kept on shouting um, a grain of rice. I don't know whether it was jol off or something off at the ref, but none of them seemed to pick up a booking. I thought that was really odd. Yeah, with more than three people surrounding a referee, as we found out, Mario Lamina found out, if more than three people surround a referee, you can book any one of them. And yeah. I've, it's, again, it's frustrating because I've got, hey, look, if you're having to go to the ref, personally, I stand on the rugby side of things. You know what? Only one person can speak to a ref, that can be the captain. Anyone else, whatever. But yeah. It still irritates because you know when you got Van Dyke screaming in his face and uh, it, it's irritating. But you know what? We'll move on because you know we can't do anything about the result. And but the only thing we can do is look forward to the next game, which is Spurs on Saturday. So not a, a, I was going to say again a really interesting one because I thought oh Spurs were in terrible form. Obviously they lost in the cup. But because Spurs are Spurs, in their last five league games, they've won four, lost one. But that one they lost was 4-0, to, 4-1 to Leicester. So they are very much Spursing it at the moment, um, to, not to be sort of too offensive to a team who is better than us. But I know, what are your guys' thoughts on Spurs at the moment? Because they do just, they seem to quietly be under the radar, dropping points occasionally, but being fourth. And that, that genuinely surprised me in a way um, that they're kind of still so high at the table. I think we've had, when you've got Harry Kane, Hyungmin Son, you, you're always going to be sort of pushing those places, aren't you? I'm a massive, massive, um, Edward Worthy. I really do not rate Hugo Lloris, and they've somehow managed to find a worse goalkeeper. <laughs> I, I, feel real, I feel sorry for Fraser Forster because obviously he's, he's coming as number two but some of the goals that I've seen him concede in, in recent games especially like the 4-1 against Leicester there were, some, it, there were really poor goals it, it, the, how quick he sort of got down to his, his corners was so slow I think he was um, he could have done better with Sheffield United's goal last night but the thing is with Tottenham I've said this on, um, on the radio earlier tonight is that we, we could beat Tottenham 4-0 Saturday but we could also lose 4-0. You just don't know what Tottenham you're going to come up against. And you don't know what Wolves is going to turn up either. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing, isn't it? So I, I think these games are suited for Wolves more than when they play a Bournemouth or something like that at home or Southampton at home or something like that. Playing against a team which is expected to come and um, express themselves and have a lot of possession and sort of be high up the pitch. That suits Wolves being able to counter them with a little bit more pace to be more sp- space to exploit in behind. But... I'm just surprised then when you show me that graphic of Spurs. In my head, Spurs are having a terrible season, but they're fourth in the league and saying a, a good run of form, really. I know that, but then they'll have a result like they did against Leicester, and then everyone thinks it's doom and gloom. They lose to Sheffield United, it's all doom and gloom. Um, but they're a good team. Harry, Ke- Harry Kane is is so good at what he does. Um, but I'd like to see what I, I can really think Wolves have got the ability to to go and win that game. Um, but I did think that against Liverpool as well. But they, they definitely have got the tools to because I think what I think Spurs are poor defensively. Um, they've got a few clean sheets there, but they, with the goalkeeper and there seems to be a lot of space um, when Spurs are playing in terms of down the sides of them, and they haven't got those the fullback areas sorted, either or the wing back areas sorted. So it's definitely a game which Wolves can 
do well in. It should be interesting to see how Lopetegui goes, what formation he plays, whether he'll go 4-3-3 or try and play a bit of a 4-4-2, which, again, I do think really suits Wolves at the moment with the players they've got available to them. Um, but they've got to try and get shots away, like Dan was saying. Fraser Forster won't be feeling overly confident with the way he's come into the team. So, they've got to work and put him under pressure. And say so they have to be having more shots and getting more shots on target than what they have done in recent weeks to, to cause him problems. Definitely. That was, that was frustrating against Liverpool last night, Rich. I don't really remember even like Neves having like just a 30 yard, just a, a pot shot no. against Allison. We didn't even test him from distance last night. No, we, we, it, it, I mean, in terms of shots, um, you know, we had one, we had four shots in total, one was on target yesterday. And, you're just not going to win football games like that at, at any level. And, you know, it, it sounds really rudimentary, but it is a numbers game. And that was one of the things I quite liked about the goal we scored against Fulham was that it was just a case of we just got so many players forward for once in attack, in open play, that, you know, it, obviously it goes to him and his in the box. Sarabia picks it up for knockdown, but you also had Nevis coming in. You had um, Nunes crossing the ball. You had someone, I think, um, another midfielder coming in as well and they just need to have that confidence and belief and not worry about you know oh if we do lose or what's behind us because they've got that bit of protection in at least one of the midfielders or they've got it from the defenders these days um, so fingers crossed they, you know I think especially being at Molyneux should hopefully aid them as well and I think they've got the opportunity to rattle Spurs if they're not careful because as you said Dave uh, you know I don't quite know what Spurs' best team or formation is. They never seem quite settled and fluid in terms of, you know, what they're doing. And I say you can't got to hope you catch them on that off day. And I don't think it it happens because you know even if you look at um, you know their wins, losing, and draws, they're in the position they're in. So they've won fourteen games, but they've lost eight and drawn three. So they they're a bit boom or bust in my opinion in terms of like what you're getting out of them and back. 14 to 8, it's not a huge difference in terms of, you know, they might not be on they might not be on fire that day. So I think it's gonna be an interesting game, I think. Um bang on the rich about getting bodies in the box and in and around the ball. That that Fulham goal is a prime example. There's too many times at Molyneux you do see just the lone striker in the box, don't you, when the ball's out wide or whatever. But mm. you know, to put the ball in from a bit deep with a lot of quality, it was a great ball in and then Obviously, having Jimenez, Sarabia, and Neves, you should always be able to have three players in the box, even yeah. whatever formation you play, because it still leaves you with your back four and a midfield two. And then, obviously, the person crossing it, and then three in the box. It should always have players around there. Um, I think we probably box out the midfield area a little bit too much at times. But against Spurs, who are vulnerable, I do believe, sort of defensively, I think it'll be important that they get bodies forward and make it uncomfortable for them. Yeah, completely, completely. Um, in terms of a few other games happening at the weekend, we've got the early kickoff of Man City Newcastle, which I think is going to be a tasty one. Um, and also on Sunday, we've got uh, Liverpool Man U as well, which I think is going to be a, a nice one. A couple of ones, unfortunately, that do involve, um, I guess, balls uh, sliding the table. I don't know why it's on Sky, but Forest Everton, how's that? How's that made a feature on Sky? I, I say this with I say this with very little respect. Actually, now I've started my uh, started my rant. Who's going to want to watch that? It's it's a game that like Wolves fans will have a, a keen eye on that because it's it, it's it's key to where we are. You, you don't really want Everton to win that game. 
a draw would be ideal, but I, I, st I still don't really want Forrest um, climbing away from us. That that league table ain't ain't great. I can't see how many points how many points of Forest ahead of us. They're only one point ahead of us. Yeah. They're, they're, Forest are right in it. You know, the only thing that's carrying them through is their, is their home form. I feel like Forest. I feel like Forest have had their good run as well. Do you mm. know what I mean, they had that little spell after Christmas, didn't they? Which they really picked up points. Um, so I do think they'll be they'll be in the mix as well. Whereas you feel like Everton have got a run in them at some point. I know they didn't look great last night, um, mm. but it's difficult. We just need to get those wins asap, don't we? I felt like if we'd have beat Bournemouth, it'd have been job done. I think we'd have been home and dry yeah. momentum. But that was a real kick in the teeth, wasn't it? Not winning that game. And losing yeah, and just felt like we had the momentum at the time, didn't it? I think like if everyone thought we'd beat Bournemouth, then we could we could maybe try and look towards ten four nine for the with yeah. the, the sort of the belief that had come after the World Cup break. Um, but yeah, like you just mentioned, Forest seem to have had a bit of a dip. They've lost a few of their centre backs recently. Obviously, I think Willie Bolly might be out from two to three months, which is a a big blow for them. They still don't seem to score enough goals, which is similar to us, really. Um, no, obviously we got we got Everton and. Um, Sorry, Leeds and Forest coming up, haven't we? After uh, Tottenham and Newcastle, so those those two games are huge, which we could do. We get in sort of a, a minimum of, of of two points against Tottenham and Newcastle because you don't really want to be going into those two games needing wins. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but in a way, you can't. It it's not that I want to see us lose the next couple of games because momentum's going to be the thing that sees us over. But the reason why the Bournemouth game frustrated me so much is because it meant another relegation threatened team came three points nearer to us. And I, I'll be as happy as anyone if we beat Spurs at the weekend. But then if we end up losing to Leeds, I don't know, it, it, it does become a question of sometimes, you know, not necessarily who you beat, but who you don't lose to. You look at that um, bottom half table since like Lopetegui came in. I, I still think oh, Wolves yeah, yeah. At, at the top aren't they? Based on everyone in the in the bottom half, so you got you got you got to beat the teams around you. That's that's key to us staying up this season, isn't it? Like you just mentioned. But us, yeah. us picking up points against um, Spurs and Newcastle will mean that our our mindset and game plan can be a little bit different against Leeds and Forest in terms of it's a do not lose game. You just yeah. the game should be there then if we manage to pick up points and confidence that we can be a little bit more. Um, restrictive in the way we play a little bit, so we're not as sort of gunko. Think we need to win this game, or yeah. Just be almost like a, a do not lose. Then, yeah, I think it. it hopefully, you know, it, it, if it allows them to have the you know less pressure to not quite play for a draw, but settle for a draw, and knowing that you know the status quo kind of gets maintained. You know, if we draw to if we draw to Leeds, no, no, you know, Leeds haven't gained points on us. Other teams that might around us, but at least another team hasn't kind of crept up on it so i think it's it's getting to that lovely point of the season isn't it where uh, you can't kind of looking at everyone else's fixes as much as anything else but i know i'm still more than confident in, in wolves staying up because it, it, as we've sort of mentioned the quality throughout this side is is there from the goalkeeper defense the midfield even the attackers there's quality there it just needs that final bit and, he, and even if we you know even if Jimenez and Diego Costa score two goals between between now and the end of the season. I'd like to think that we've got the players around them in Sarabia, in Podence, um, and Kuna. Hopefully, he's not out long term to get us the goals to see us through. But uh, we we will see, I guess. 
Yeah. All the I new. Think all you the, mentioned all... it earlier, Dave. We're literally one of the best sides until we get to the final third. I just don't want to be going into the, the Nottingham Forest and Leeds game knowing that probably for the majority of that game we're going to dominate possession but not create chances. We, I don't want. I don't want to be going into those games thinking, don't lose this game. I still think we, we we've got to be going out and beating those teams around us. I agree. I think um, it, it's strange when you listen to sort of the radio stations and TV shows from all the neutrals. The walls aren't mentioned when they're talking about relegation mm. battles. So, like, I think everyone else outside of Wolves is very confident that that Wolves will, will not be near that sort of bottom three towards the end of the season. And I'm confident as well. But whilst whilst you are a Wolves fan and you are watching them every week, you still carry that nervous energy, don't you? That until mm. they put points on the board, it's not done at all. Um, and a bit like Everton and a bit like Forest, like you said, we don't score goals and you're always going to have a problem when you don't score enough goals. Um, that's why Everton are dying there in particular. Um, and that's why we probably haven't pulled away. If we had a, someone who'd scored 10 goals for us, an extra 10 goals would be yeah, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Flying. We've got, what is it, Neves and Pedence on five each. Um, yeah. that's, where the, that's where the problem is. Yeah, it, it, it's abundantly clear. And fingers crossed, you know, we, we see the season over the line and they can reassess in how they want to do it in the summer because it, it can't... They've, they've been unlucky as well, well in terms yeah. of you know, bringing Kalajic in and getting injured first game. He could have been... <laughs> yeah, he could have been... He could have quite easily got five goals by now in terms of being a threat mm. in the box. Cunha coming and sort of picking up this knock, taking Diego Costa, and he, I think he served a purpose, hasn't he? But... Not gonna, he's not gonna score you a lot of goals, is he, at this stage of his career? No, and it's a it's frustrating because a lot of it, you know, the cost of very much a plaster over the issue, isn't it? Just because we literally didn't have another striker for a period, and even likes of Frank getting injured, he can't, yeah. you know, he seems to keep um picking up hamstring injuries, which is frustrating. So, I, I, feel, I feel classing Diego Costa as a, as a plaster is really complimentary. I don't know if any of you guys watched um, The Last of Us, but in, in the recent episode, <laughs> she, the blog gets stabbed and uh, the girl stitches his, his wound. It, it, it felt like it felt it felt like that with Diego Costa. He's, he's on holidays and he's, he's literally come oh, here on holiday. Completely off topic. Um, I watched the first episode of that last night. Shall I continue with it? It's, it's brilliant, Dave, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Stick with it. Me and my wife. My wife was about 15 minutes in. She's like, oh, this is a bit too gory for me, I think. <laughs> no, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. No, de- definitely stick with it. It, 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 it is going to be one of those shows, I think, which is going to really kind of really hit off if, you know, going forward. So I was going to say quickly, should we do score predictions for Saturday? Can do. Go on. Go on. Dan, what do you think we're doing? Um, I'm gonna go one all. I just don't think we'll keep Harry Kane out. I, 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 just, I just don't. He's he's, just, he's exceptional, isn't he? If I know, I know Harry Kane's an avid watcher of the show. He, he needs to leave this summer. He needs if he wants to win trophies, he's got to leave this summer. Yeah, yeah. They've just say he's just got knocked out of the cup. They've only got the Champions League left, and that's not looking good for them, is it now? So yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, I was thinking around that sort of ball, but I'll try and go a little bit more positive and go 2 1 Wolves. I, I don't think we can keep a clean sheet against them because of all the firepower they've got. Um, then hopefully they open up enough that we can get at least a couple of goals. So, yeah, 2 1 Wolves. Yeah. I was going to say, I can't let you be the. Uh, I, 
I can't let you be the most positive one on here, Dave. So I'm going to go two one as well. But I struggle to see it. The problem is, I agree. I can't see us keeping a clean sheet, but I also can't see us scoring more than a couple of goals if we're not, you know, massively in our luck. But hopefully, know. it's another Liverpool game where we literally just come out the traps early and we. Yeah. And yeah. we get that two-goal cushion, which we just love a two-goal cushion every game. But, you know, who knows? That, that, I was going to say, I, I will remain hopeful. Um, but we will be back um, on Sunday, hopefully, to preview a Wolves win. Um, big thank you to um, 90 Min. Make sure you keep up to date with all things Wolves Fancast. Um, at You're not Wolves finishing Fancast. the show without my quiz, Rich. You've done the quiz? It's, it's not, Dave, it's, Dave's here. I have to do a quiz. I, I thought Dave and Sam would join us today, so you'll have to take um, it's, it's, Sam's place. It's yeah. not the question I had prepared for Sam Ricketts, was it? Which because mm, well, that, there's, there's only, say, only three quick questions. Dave okay. will know the answers because he was Dave Edwards in the games. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, let's let's okay. go back to let's I think it's 20, 2017, Dave. Um, yeah. Fulham. At Wall, Fulham Wolves versus Fulham in the FA Cup third round replay. You yeah. scored in 90 minutes, you scored in extra time, you scored in the penalty shootout. But which Wolves player missed in that shootout to lose us the shootout? I know this because Mr. Casual, massively, isn't he? I, that was great. I came on half time. It's a snow game, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Was it? It was Matt Doherty, wasn't it? Mr. Casual. I mean, I. I, I did think about this when I was looking at the question earlier. Like, you get back into the dressing room, Dad. You scored three on the night, and then this guy has gone and just ruined an iconic match in the in the Dave Edwards history. I know, yeah, he's gutted. We need. We didn't get many FA Cup runs at Wolves either. Started to be a good opportunity. The only the only FA Cup run out at Wolves was when we beat beat Liverpool, then played Chelsea in the yeah. beat, Stoke, beat Liverpool, and then played Chelsea in the. The fifth round, that's as far as I ever got in the competition. So Yeah, I went to that Stark away game. That was that was a good atmosphere in that away. And that Mad Doherty yeah. scored an unreal free kick that yeah. day. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And Keems was a joke. I was gonna say. Was like, like, we, oh, we've made the job before. I think Mark on our narrative still has nightmares about Carl I Keem. Eh? Yeah. 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 Right. I, I, second. Go on, Dan. Sorry, Rich. What are you going to say? I was going to say, I, I can't. That's one of the best goalkeeping performances I've seen by Wolves goalkeeper. Amazing, amazing. Just, just single-handedly, just kept us. Say, kept us in it because we won quite convincingly. But that's phenomenal. Go on, Dan. Let's hear it. Second question. Obviously, Sam Ricketts was supposed to be with us tonight, but unfortunately, he's got a sore, sore voice. Um, during your career, Dave, you played Sam Ricketts five times for Shrewsbury Wolves, and but that's it. Yeah, Shrewsbury and Wolves. He, he played for Swansea. Bolton and Telford. Telford. You played against him five times. Um, I think this is like professional, professional level. Five times. How many times did you the conference? Yeah. So just, just, just the main football league. Swansea, um, Bolton Wanderers. Yeah. Played five times. How many times did you beat Sam Ricketts? (laughs) Didn't have a great record against either of those teams. Not many. Once, maybe that's a guess. <laughs> it was it was zero, Dave. Two two draws, three losses. I, I, I did have a look at some. There's a there's a great website, Transfer Market. It's got some of the most unreal yeah. stats on there. Yeah, I, I looked at some of the teams. 
Dave, if you say you didn't have a good record against those teams, the, the record that you had against Derby County was oh, a no, challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was something like one win in, in 11. Yeah. And it was the game where we got nearly promoted, wasn't it? Or just yeah. promoted. I think it's the only time I beat Derby, was we beat him at Pride Park 3 2 in that yeah. promotion season. Marlon <laughs> Harris. Marlon Harris scored no set one up. No, we set up in there. Andy Keogh got two and uh, Matt Jarvis got the other. Right, the last question was, I think it was in 2008, Wales 3, Norway 0. You and Sam Ricketts played in this game, but there was also four former Wolves players that played for Wales that night. Can you name them? Yeah, um, Wayne Hennessy. Yeah, that's the easy one. Freddie Eastwood? Freddie Eastwood was up front. That's a great shout. Because I was, um, yeah, it was only my second or third Welsh Cup this was. So, who else? Next Wolves players. Um, what year was it, Dan? Sorry. I think it was 2007, I feel, 2008. Yeah, he played at Wrexham, I remember. Yeah. Um, I think Freddie and Wayne were the two Wolves players at the time with me. I had just signed for Wolves in the January. Yeah. One, one was well before you joined and one... Um, one, no, 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 no. Wayne Hennessy was in goal, wasn't it? That they actually played in this game. So one, one was a midfield and one was a striker. I'm not sure whether the striker was maybe the season before you joined. I'm not hundred percent on this. Was it um Craig Davis? Craig yes, Davis. Craig. And then the third, the fourth one was a midfielder. Played midfield that night from the start. Oh, I should know that. Um, Carl Robinson. Carl Robinson. Yeah. What a player he was. Underrated. Yeah. 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 He was class. Yeah. Oh. So two sorts. So Craig was from Tal. I played a lot. I played in the same county teams as Craig when we was a kid. Mm. He was from my age and he's from Telford. And then Carl Robinson's a Mid Wales boy as well from right where I'm from initially. So yeah, yeah. Craig Davis on the um on, on, on under the cosh is a good episode for people out there if you need if you like your football yeah, chat. Yeah, it's funny, like, yeah, that's it. That's that's my quiz, Rich. But don't forget to um promote that song we've got in the background as well. I was gonna say, I had it all all lined up, I've got my bit of glove in front of me as well, guys. So, again, big thanks, um, Dave, for joining us. Big thanks, little Dan, as well. We will be back Sunday to talk about Wolves hopefully beating Spurs. And to play us out, um, we're promoting Black Honey's latest single, okay. Uh, which is out on March the 17th. Uh, Big thanks, and we'll see you all next time.